Good evening tonight. <laughs> Normally I'm up here doing the offering, so this is a bit different for tonight. <clears throat> yes, so a couple of weeks ago I received a, a group email um, from Pastor Lloyd and it had a title, Preaching Roster on the Top, and it was about the availability of men to preach while he was away. Um, <laughs> I thought, well, it's obviously an accident that he included me in this one, so... <laughs> I shot back a message to him just questioning his sanity and um, it turns out it was no accident. So here I am tonight and I'll tell you now for the record I'm way more comfortable um, in front of a switchboard with a pair of pliers and a drill but um, I'll, I guess I'm, um, I'm here tonight. So it is an honour to speak here and I hope you can pray with me now as I'll pray to God to help me. Um, you probably uh, know, that I don't know if you can tell, but I'm not even comfortable doing the offering on a Sunday night, so this is definitely way out of my element. So let's just pray. Father in heaven, I thank you that um, we can be in church tonight. Thank you for the, sing- so the songs that we've heard, Lord. I pray, Father, now that you would help me as I um, speak here, Lord. I pray, Lord, you just guide me. I pray you'd help me to be um, clear and concise, Lord, and I pray I'll be able to help the people here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so tonight, what I was... Um, planning on talking on is the topic of forbearance. So this is a topic that I haven't heard preached on a great deal, but it gets touched on a lot in different um, sermons that I've heard about. And it was funny because on Sunday morning, Andrew was speaking and he started, he started mentioning forbearance and I'm thinking, move on, move on. <laughs> so thankfully he did. And um, what, so One thing about forbearance is that it can be mistaken as a weakness um, because at times someone isn't taking action or someone isn't speaking like we think they should be, so therefore we assume that they're being weak or that they're intimidated. And if the person is being weak or intimidated, then that's not forbearance that they're showing. <clears throat> forbearance is an active choice to abstain from the enforcement of a right. That means that the person has the right to claim something or to say something but they are actively choosing not to carry out that right for whatever reason they may have. Displaying forbearance is actually a dis- is displaying strength. So if you turn to Colossians chapter 3, please, and I'll read uh, from verses 12 to 15. Uh, most of my scriptures tonight will come from the Old Testament, <clears throat> but in the New Testament, um, I want to show you a passage here that we're directly instructed about forbearance and the importance that it plays in the church. So Colossians chapter 3, I'll read from verses 12 to 15. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. So in this, in this particular passage here, in verse 13, we're actually commanded to forbear one another. <clears throat> when someone forbears, they'll often be doing one of these things. They may be enduring someone or something that is causing them a problem or or causing them pain. They may be refraining or holding back from some course of action that they are inclined to do. They are showing patience in a situation that they may be justified in reacting to. 
or they could be showing self-control when provoked by another person or a situation. And there's three points that I want to look at tonight covering this topic. Um, it's actually really helped me to study this out, and um, I'm thankful that I've been able to study this further, and um, I've learned a lot of things through doing this study, and hopefully one of these points might be able to help you tonight. Uh, and the points that I want to cover is when we should forbear, when we shouldn't forbear, and when God sometimes forbears with us. <clears throat> Please turn to Second Chronicles chapter 35. Okay, and I'll read um, from verses, Second uh, Chronicles 35, from verse 20 to 24. After all this, when Josiah had prepared the temple, Necho, king of Egypt, came up to fight against Charshemish by Euphrates, and Josiah went out against him. But he sent ambassadors to him, saying, What have I to do with thee, thou king of Judah? I come not against thee this day, but against the house wherewith I have war. For God commanded me to make haste. Forbear thee from meddling with God who is with me, that he destroy thee not. Nevertheless, Josiah would not turn his face from him, but disguised himself that he might fight with him, and hearkened not unto the words of Necho from the mouth of God, and came to fight in the valley of Megiddo. And the archers shot at King Josiah, and the king said to his servants, Have me away, for I am sore wounded. His servants therefore took him out of that chariot and put him in the second chariot that he had, and they brought him to Jerusalem, and he died, and was buried in one of the sepulchres of his fathers, and all Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. Josiah was a very good king of Judah. His reign began when he was eight years of age. And when he was 16 years old, the Bible said that he began to seek the Lord. I imagine at this age he would have begun to establish himself with decision-making and things like that in the kingdom, and he obviously realised that he needed God to help him. Um, and that's such a great example for teenagers here tonight. Age 16, he decided that he needed God, and he, he sought God with all his heart. And then at age 20, he actually started to actively purge the kingdom of idols and groves and broke down the altars of the false gods that people were worshipping. Um, by this time, the northern kingdom had already been taken captive and he actually ventured out of his territory, went into the northern kingdom and actually purged some of the idols from there as well. So not only did he do it in Judah, he also went north. And all that happened in, in chapter 34. You can read that another time. And Josiah was actually actively present during all this happening. He went with them while they were doing all this and he was, he was actually doing it with them. Um, and then at age 26, some old scriptures were found as they were repairing the temple. And Josiah now realised how much that the children of Judah had offended God in times past because of their idol worship. And he inquired of the Lord and God told him that he was going to punish the children of Judah because Josiah, but because Josiah was a very good man, he would not see it in his days. So Josiah would be spared from what was coming. At that same time, Josiah held a Passover... And that, well, that particular Passover was remembered as the greatest one held since the days of Samuel. You've got to realise that after Samuel was David and Solomon and kings like that, but Josiah's Passover was regarded as better than theirs. Josiah loved the Lord even as a young man, and he made excellent decisions that caused the hand of the Lord to prosper him and the children of Judah. In fact, when Josiah passed away, Jeremiah the prophet mourned the death of Josiah because he was such a good king. 
Our reading that we read tonight comes from the time when he was 39. So Josiah died at age 39. And for whatever reason, he chose to pick a fight with the king of Egypt, who was at war with another kingdom far away from Judah. The king of Egypt wanted him to forbear from meddling, but he didn't listen. And he paid for that meddling with his life. So what can we learn from this and what happened to Josiah? Something I took away from this was we definitely we must forbear from meddling when God is working in someone else and doing a work in the life of another person. This is one time we must forbear. It can be tempting to step in because we think we know better, but God knows what he's doing. And you can be sure that the Holy Spirit will work and we should forbear from meddling in that person's life. And the reasons that we may not forbear from meddling is because we don't perceive what God's actually doing in that person. If we think about how Sarah and Abraham tried to fix the issue of children and meddled in God's plan, and that problem still rages to this day in the Middle East. And another reason we may not forbear from meddling is because that we're being led by the flesh and the lusts that come with living that way. Sometimes we step out of our jurisdiction and we act in ways that are interfering with others and that causes untold problems. We think about Saul who performed a sacrifice because he couldn't wait for Samuel any longer. It was that point there that God rejected him. This passage, we see that Josiah also went to the point of disguising himself in this battle so he could do what he wanted. What things do we do in selfishness, but we disguise that as righteousness? Perhaps sometimes we might share a prayer request, but really we just want to gossip. Maybe we come to church or the youth group or ministries and we actually don't even have a desire. We just want to see our mates or our friends. Um, Sometimes... um, We just disguise wicked works as good works, and God will find you out for this. You're only hurting yourself and the other people. You are not fooling God. And when the archers shoot like they shot at Josiah, will you too be found out? Uh, When life gets tough, will your facades crumble? And when you're called upon to really sacrifice and help someone in need, will you actually be there for them? So there are times um, we have to forbear and definitely meddling in our mother people's business and when God's working in people is a time we must forbear. And on to my next point, there are also times that we should not forbear. Um, Sometimes it may not be easy to know what to do, but other times it's very easy and it's very obvious that we need to stand up and be counted. We must not forbear when we should be actively helping someone or doing something to help others. And this may be a person in need. Um, This might be saying something that will prevent the hurt or loss of someone else. And even when it's your enemies that need help, we're not allowed to forbear from helping them. The Bible says in Exodus 23, I won't get you to turn there, but uh, Exodus 23, 4 and 5 says, If thou meet thine enemy's ox or his ass going astray, then thou shalt surely bring it back to him again. If thou see the ass of him that hateth thee lying under his burden and wouldest forbear to help him, thou shalt surely help him. So God requires us to help our enemies when something or someone that pertains to them is being hurt. God commands us and we must surely help them. I know that in times past I've definitely had selective hearing or selective seeing when I've seen something and um, God convicted me of that when I was reading through this. Um, And when we're meant to do good and we don't do it, that's a sin also. James chapter 4 verse 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So we definitely should not forbear sometimes. If you turn to Numbers chapter 25, my next reading will come from there. 
God will bless us when we choose to act in courage and faith and we take a stand for what is right. It takes good balance and godly perception when to forbear and when not to forbear. Phineas in the Old Testament did not forbear when decisive action was required. Numbers chapter 25, I'll read verses 6 to 8. And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel, who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. I know it's a little bit of a gruesome story there, but as a result of that zeal of Phineas, um, we look at verse 12, and this is what God says. Wherefore say, Behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace, and he shall have it, and his seed after him, even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and made an atonement for the children of Israel. <clears throat> so God blessed Phineas for his actions there, for doing something when it was required. So when it's very obvious not to forbear, we must act. And this is required of us, and the Bible gives us clear times when this um, should occur. It's times when we don't know what to do is when it gets tricky. But age is no excuse here either, because this particular example, Phineas was actually a teenager. And the reason we know this is because he's later referred to in the promised land and only Joshua and Caleb were above 20 when they went into the promised land. So Phineas was a teenager at that time. So age is no excuse when we have to act decisively for God. Um, <clears throat> the times of knowing when to not forbear helped when we know our Bible, when we're close to God with our relationship with him and when we receive godly advice and counsel from other people. Knowing our Bible and the commands it contains is critical to living a balanced Christian life. And without this knowledge, you will remain a baby on milk. So this point, the main points I want to get across here is we must not forbear to help people when it is in our power to do so. And the Bible is clear here. Uh, when we know we must be doing right, we must act. It is a sin to not act when we should. And it's usually this is to help with other people in some way. We must not forbear when the Bible has already told us what we should do as well. The Bible gives us many clear instructions. We must be good witnesses. We must honour God. We must um, honour God with our lives, our money, also our time. And we must also deal with sin and repent as soon as it arises and we know about it. And we must not forbear to act when we have instructions. Sometimes God will use people in your life who are there for your benefit and your protection. This could be parents to children, for example. Uh, husband to wife, pastor to church member. And this is a safety that we have in God that he, helps us he gives us these people that help us make decisions. If we need to act, then we must, not forbear, we must not forbear to do so when we receive good instruction from people who are actually there for that purpose. And moving on to my third point, God will often forbear with us. And um, I'm very thankful for this. This is actually very comforting that he does this. Um, the fact that he shows patience to us and refrains from allowing the full consequences of our actions to occur means he's lovingly acknowledging our humanity. 
and the weaknesses that come with being a man or a woman. And it shows that he loves us and he cares for us deeply. Sometimes God gives us the grace that we need to to get through a tough time so we can see that through. Other times God will completely remove the issue and will give us that relief that we desperately need. And still at other times God may just lessen that burden so that way it's manageable for us but we still need to carry that burden. For some reason we have to go through it. And this may be because we need to learn, we need to keep learning from the thing that's happening or perhaps we need to be an example to others. So for whatever reason God chooses to lessen it, that's God's business. <clears throat> but by calling out to God in a genuine way, he will hear us and he will answer us. And that will be either with a yes or a no or a not yet. So we always get an answer. If you turn to Ezekiel chapter 4, please. The prophet Ezekiel actually faced an issue like this. Uh, God asks him to do something that is very hard. And in his humanity, he poured out his feelings to God. Um, in Ezekiel chapter 4, and I'll read a couple of verses here from verse 10. And thy meat which thou shalt eat shall be by weight, 20 shekels a day. From time to time shalt thou eat it. Thou shalt drink also water by measure, the sixth part of a hen, from time to time shalt thou drink. And thou shalt eat it as barley cakes, and thou shalt bake it with dung that cometh out of a man in their sight. And if you go to verse 14, Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, my soul hath not been polluted, for from my youth up, even till now, have I not eaten of that which dieth of itself, or is torn in pieces. Neither came there abominable flesh into my mouth. And he said unto me, Lo, I have given thee cow's dung for man's dung, and thou shalt prepare thy bread therewith. So, <laughs> obviously this is a very difficult thing to do. And, and um, God was asking him to do this as a sign to the Jews, that they were going to be eating defiled bread amongst the Gentiles very soon. And um, God was letting the children of Judah know just how defiled they were and how distasteful they had become to him. Ezekiel implored God about this hard thing, and God heard Ezekiel, and he gave him a more palatable option, if you could call it that, <laughs> um, to mix his bread with cow dung instead of human dung. And that's, yeah, it's... Ezekiel's a very, yeah, much better Christian than me, let's just say that. Uh, but God truly knows when something is too much for us to bear and he will give you a way to bear it or lessen the load or remove it. It's because he truly loves us. And he did that for Ezekiel at that point there. He knew it was just too much for Ezekiel to bear, to do that, to defile himself in such a way. So, but he still needed to get the point across, so he just lessened that load on Ezekiel. In 1 Corinthians 10.13 it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but with the temptation will also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. <clears throat> Back in the, at the start there, we read from Colossians chapter 3, and the verse that said, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. In the church today, 
This is a command that we must forbear each other. And this is crucial to maintaining good fellowship and to avoid quarrels. But without a doubt, forbearance is a very hard thing to do sometimes. There are times where you're going to do so much for a person and you won't get any gratitude in return, seemingly. Sometimes you're going to sacrifice to help someone and they'll never know the toll that it took on you or your family and they will seem to have taken it for granted. We must patiently forbear. Sometimes you might help someone to such an extent and you will hardly receive any thanks and then you'll see maybe another person do something small for them and they'll seem to show more appreciation to that person and that's really hard to take. And other times you would have helped someone so much that you thought that they would come back and help you in your time of need. And they really should. That's, that's what they should be doing. But if they don't, we must forbear. We must keep going. And why is the reason for this? It's because Christ did it for us. We must do it for others. And despite the pain and the hurt that's caused, because God sees it, and God says that you will reap in due season. We just can't grow weary in that well-doing. The Bible promises that. So in verse 13 where it says to forbear one another, it also says to forgive one another. And this forgiveness part of this verse, this talks about past hurts that have occurred. We must give them to God and move on so we're still usable. If we're holding on to past hurts and haven't forgiven the person, um, you're not going to be very useful because you're going to be so bitter. Even when the person doesn't seek forgiveness, we have to forgive them so, so you yourself are right with God. And that's a very important part. The forbearance part of Colossians 3.13 is talking about when you're currently hurting and you've currently got something happening in your life is when you forbear and the trials that we face right now. And this is in regards to people that are in church. Everyone is hurting in some way or another and generally people who are hurting will tend to hurt other people and not meaning to, but it just happens. And so when we are hurting, forbearance is critical to keep us all united. We must avoid provoking each other. We must learn to forbear the present hurts and forgive the past offences. We must try to show gratitude when people help us and that will also help when we show genuine gratitude. The person then doesn't have to go through forbearing you because you know you've shown gratitude. <clears throat> we must do things for others though with the correct motives, not just for the thanks of man but for God. And we do all this so we can reap in due season. And we do all this for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's all I have for you tonight. That was quick. And, um, but I'll just pray now, then I'll hand it over to Andrew. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you that we could um, look at your word tonight. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us all as we try and forbear and forgive others, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would just um, be with us now as we pray. I pray, Lord, that you would... Um, just go before us now and I pray, Lord, for everyone tonight as they go home for safety. I pray for your hand tonight, uh, your hand of blessing upon the whole night. In Jesus' name, amen.